In a world of uncertainty, one thing's for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors, or 1,762 steps. Inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or your treadmill, climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony, then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. Howdy, everyone. It's Arthur Staple. Welcome back to No Sleep Till Belmont, the Hunters podcast from The Athletic. Flying solo today, no guests. We just went out, uh, went with some questions, and obviously it's a very strange and uh, scary week. We've had a lot of them uh, over the course of this pandemic. We've uh, moved on to protests that uh, I think a lot of uh, sports fans could recognize the area around Barclays Center with uh, some very unpleasant images that we saw in the last few days, and we've even gotten some questions in that Q&A about uh, the Islanders and their statement that they put out uh, the other day regarding the George Floyd murder and uh, the subsequent protests that have turned violent in some places and uh, been cases of uh, overreach on the authorities' part, looting on the riot- some rioters' parts. It's um, it's it's a very unpleasant situation around the country. Um, so first, we'll uh, we'll take we'll address those. Um, protest questions and the statement questions. We got a couple of them from uh, from fans, including Scott uh, and Hillel, who both asked about the Islanders' extremely weak statement. This is uh, quoting from them. Um, and Scott's question kind of addresses a concern I'd like to I'd like to speak about. Do you foresee the Islanders organization making a conscious effort to listen to the concerns of their fans and minority communities? I certainly know plenty of Islanders fans who are rightfully angry by their inability to take a firm stance. Now, I will say that uh, the Islander statement came out from the organization that was uh, pretty uh, mealy-mouthed given the given the situation and the anger that's going around. I think uh, you saw a lot of other teams, NHL teams, other pro teams, college sports programs, uh, giving official statements that were a lot stronger than the Islanders one. Um, and then soon after the Islander statement came out, Anders Lee posted his own statement on Twitter, which I think was backed by a lot of Islanders players. Um, and kind of letting their captain speak for them. Uh, that was a lot stronger and more direct about racism and, and the, the death of George Floyd at the hands of the Minneapolis police um, and how angry and upset a lot of players were, uh, and Anders was specifically. Um, and the Islanders certainly promoted that statement quite a bit on social media. So um, I don't think the organization is taking sides one way or the other. Um to my mind, there's only one side, and there's uh, a man dead in Minneapolis that precipitated all this, that uh, that left a lot of our community, white and black and other, fed up. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think in response to Scott's question, it's, uh, it is a concern, I would imagine, for any organization, particularly the Islanders. This is the one that we talk about here. Um, Long Island is pretty diverse. There, are, there is a diversity of, uh, of people in the fan base. Uh, you always want to welcome more people to your fan base. The Islanders are going to be uh, 
permanently back on Long Island once they get started back up, whether it's at the Coliseum or at Belmont in a, in a couple of years. Um, and there are plenty of communities on Long Island that uh, that are could get interested in hockey. Um, and that statement doesn't help. You know, I would imagine that uh, that it's certainly a time to be uh, strong in your words. I know that that uh, we live in an age when corporate speak is uh, is sort of dedicated to to being as inclusive as you possibly can be. And I know that there are a lot of people in law enforcement who support the Islanders uh, who live on Long Island, and that's not to exclude any of them. Um, but I think what we all saw in Minneapolis was terrible, and there's no there's no reason not to call that out. Um, you know what? How how things get addressed by a, a sports team going forward is an entirely different question. But uh, but I don't think that's the conversation for today. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't think it helped. Uh, I've heard from at least one uh, fan who uh, who was certainly very upset, and uh, he's a guy I've talked to uh, many times over the years uh, on social media in person. He's a dedicated fan. He's a person of color and. Um, he feels a little alienated, and I, and I wish that that didn't happen. And I, I do wonder uh, if his concerns will be heard by the organization. I hope that they will be. Uh, I certainly heard them, and and um, you know, in your in my role as a reporter uh, for a sports site, it's uh, it's difficult to think of a way to express that anger. Um, but uh, but I feel it too. And uh, you know, this is the team that I cover, and we have good relationships. Um, and it, you know we can't just stick to sports right now. There's no sports to stick to. Uh, we've got no games because of the pandemic. Uh, it's going to be a little while till we have some. Um, so I think it's a time for everybody to to reflect on what part they can play. And I think a lot of players around the league. You've seen uh, this week not just Anders Lee's statement, but Jonathan Taves made a pretty strong statement. Blake Wheeler has made some statements. He's a Minnesota native. Anders is also a Minnesota native. Um, I think it's affected a lot of people that maybe wouldn't have spoken up in the past. So uh, I, I'm curious to see how, how we proceed as a society and uh, most directly relevant to what we talk about here and what I write about, how the Islanders proceed as an organization um, You know, once people have forgotten about, uh, about the time off and, and things move on. So um, another question that I got uh, from Doc AD, who uh, is another guy who uh, I've communicated with a lot and met a few times. Um, do you see the NHL making any tangible changes to encourage hiring of people of color into coaching managerial positions? That's a very interesting question, and I, you know, it's something that um, you see with the uh, the so-called Rooney Rule in the NFL, which hasn't always been followed to the letter of uh, of the rule. In the last few years, you see coaches, you know, essentially being hired before anybody else is interviewed. The, the the mandate for that rule, if you can even call it that, is to try and interview one uh, minority candidate for a coach or a GM job before any hiring is done. Um, and hockey is a is a is a tougher sell for that sort of rule because because there are so few people of color in the game at any level, front office. Coaching, you know, I think uh, I think Mike Greer, who was an assistant with the Devils under John Hines, um, was really the only one. You know, Freddie Brathwaite was the goalie coach with the Islanders for one year under Doug Waite. Um, but when you have to single out a co- the two people you can think of off the top of your head from the last few years, it's um, you know, it's it's an underrepresented group. So I don't think there'll be any mandates going forward. 
it would be great to see a program instituted to encourage coaches from all levels uh, or even players of color who have uh, stepped away from playing to get into coaching. Um, you know, I think if you talk to any people of color who are in the game, uh, the one thing that's that's sorely lacking is is visible people of color at that coaching level to encourage young people who might not consider hockey to, to consider it. Um, so I hope that that happens. Um, I hope that the league uh, in this pause and seeing what's going on around the country can can come up with some sort of plan to, uh, you know, it, it's not going to be a mandate, it's not going to be a rule, but to, to encourage grassroots development, not just of, of young players of color, but uh, prospective coaches of color, because that's uh, that's another way that you can start to change the game a little bit uh, to be more representative of society as a whole. We'll get back to a few more questions in a second, but first just wanted to talk about some of the local businesses on Long Island who might be interested in advertising here with us on the podcast. We know everybody's having a tough time of it, getting back going on Long Island and in the tri-state area, uh, but our listeners are loyal and engaged just like all of your businesses are, and we know we have a lot of dedicated Islander fans out there who love to support all the businesses on Long Island. So what better way to advertise your business than on our show? To advertise on No Sleep Till Belmont, just go to www.theathletic.com slash podcast ads. There you can fill out a very simple form. We'll get back to you right away. So go to www.theathletic.com slash podcast ads today. The Last Dance documentary has brought up the ongoing debate that no one will ever win. Is Michael Jordan the GOAT? Is LeBron the GOAT? One thing we know for sure is Manscaped is the GOAT for men's grooming. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. Because of their ceramic blade and skin-safe technology, your snags will be reduced while designing your own triangle offense down under. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code THEATHLETIC. Uh, and now we've got some uh, more hockey-related questions. Um Let's see. I think we've got a few about Ilya Sorokin. Obviously, he's uh, if we're talking about any actual Islanders news story that I had last week that um, he's part of a small group of players that uh, that hasn't signed yet because the league has decided fairly unilaterally to change a rule that had been in place for a long time under this C the current CBA and even the previous CBA that uh, unsigned draft choices players on on teams reserve lists can sign contracts when their seasons end, whether it's KHL, another European league, college hockey, uh, Canadian junior hockey. If you sign after the season, um, you can be eligible to play in that season in the playoffs. and uh, or, or even in teams that are don't want to use the players in the playoffs, you can burn that first year, or in Ilya Sorokin's case, the only year of the entry-level contract. Uh, and become a restricted free agent. I think uh, in the story that I posted last week, Chris Kreider did it with the Rangers in 2012, stepped right out of Boston College, winning a national hockey championship in, in collegiate ranks, and um, had a pretty big impact in that postseason. And right up to Kale McCarr doing it for the Avalanche uh, last spring. So it's not uh, it, it's not an old rule. It's not something that they felt they needed to clean up. It was very, it was active and welcomed up and through last season. So it's curious to see the league takes such a strong stance that they don't feel it's appropriate right now during the pause. Uh, and it really only affects a handful of players. It's Ilya Sorokin, who's the Islanders draft pick, uh, Kirill Kaprizov, uh, who was Sorokin's teammate with CSKA over in Moscow, 
who was a draft pick in the Minnesota Wild. Uh, Grigory Denisenko, who who I believe agreed to a contract with the Florida Panthers, but it hasn't been signed yet because he wants to have it be active this season. Uh, Alexander Romanov with Montreal. And as far as the college players, I believe Scott Perunovic, who's a, a Blues draft pick. Uh, and maybe one or two others, Jack Dugan uh, from Providence, who's a Knights, Golden Knights draft pick. So uh, it's a small, small group, which is another reason why it's very curious to see the league take such a stance. Um, it, it, so I'm curious to know how it's going to change. Uh, you know, I I reached out to the Players Association. They felt they'd have some news on it this week. Uh, we'll see if if there's anything. Larry Brooks in the Post wrote on Sunday that the Players Association would be fighting this this unilateral change by the NHL. Uh, didn't see a reason to change it. Um, so I don't know that there's any active negotiations going on. The two sides have agreed uh, for these particular players to push back a deadline, which would normally be June 1st to sign those contracts to July 1st, because there's going to be no hockey before July 1st. So we'll see. They've got a few more weeks to work on this. Um, I got the sense from talking to people on the Players Association side that they don't feel this is a, a fight that they're going to lose. Um, so whether the Islanders consider using Ilya Sorokin, if and when we can get back to playing games or at least get to a training camp, that's pretty immaterial as far as the Islanders are concerned. I think both sides want to get him signed for 2019-20 to burn that one year of his entry level, move on to have him be a restricted free agent, sign him, whether it's long-term, short-term, whatever. Um, I don't think money is going to be a, a real sticking point. He's not looking for 4 or $5 million a year with no NHL games under his belt. I think he's he understands that um, whether he can make get this done this year and then get to be a restricted free agent next year, he's got still got to prove himself, still got to make the team uh, for 2021 uh, and become a regular uh, in the goalie rotation before anybody can anoint him the the, the next great Islander goaltender. So um, it's, uh, it's a strange situation. I found it to be a little strange just reporting it out to hear how dug in the NHL was on their side um, and to hear how surprised I think some on the Players Association side and some agents were that, uh, that this was the stance they were taking. So uh, I expect there'll be some resolution sooner rather than later, mostly because given that at least the bulk of these few guys that are in this situation are, are over in Russia, they need to have work visas, which means you have to have a contract. Um, there's got to be some you know, negotiation, whether there's a quarantine period for them coming over. Um, they got to be able to get here and, and join these training camps, which uh, if they're going to happen, are going to be in about five weeks, five, six weeks from now. So um, things need to get moving. Um, so I, I hope and expect that we'll hear something on that subject very soon. Um, uh, David, who goes by In Trots We Trust, asks, uh, just as a follow-up gut feeling, do we ever see Sorokin play for the Isles? I'm going to say yes. Uh, my story kind of hinted that if he doesn't get signed this year, he may never sign because he's going to be 25 in a couple of months. Uh, it may just be easier to stay in in the KHL, the KHL is planning to start their season on time or close to on time in September. Um, whether that happens or not is is still up in the air. And if uh, if he can't get over here to at least skate and be part of the team for this return to play this summer, then you're looking at maybe December, maybe January before the Islanders and the NHL get back going again. Um, who knows if he wants to wait that long? It might just be easier to sign a, a two or three year deal in the KHL and stay there, or sign somewhere else and 
wait it out and try to come back again at some other point in the future. Um, but I still, I still feel like he is going to be with the Islanders. This is going to get resolved. He's going to get over here. He may not play um, in August when the when the qualifying round is planned to begin. But uh, but I think he'll be part of the organization going forward. We'll get to our last few questions in a minute. But first, a word from Roman. If you were to guess, on average, how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week, maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com Belmont for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com Belmont for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. And we've got a few more, uh, a few more questions, um, kind of quick ones. Um, Doc AD also had an interesting question about uh, of all the proposed changes for the 2014 playoff. One of the strangest is the ability to have unlimited goalies. Why is the NHL suddenly worried about the number of goalies at playoff time? This hasn't been a concern in the past, and they don't allow unlimited defense or forwards. Interesting question. I think it more has to do with um, the size of the group that you're going to have. You have a spillover of players. Uh, you need to have some extra goalies. And, and in a normal year, you'd be able to bring in a third or a fourth goalie in the playoffs if your AHL team was was finished. Um, so I th- think this is probably something that was requested by coaching staffs from the teams that they want to have a full complement of goalies, uh, especially if the games are condensed and in the playoffs you're trying to go with one goalie. Um, you want to have as much ability for that guy to rest and then be able to have other goalies go in uh, uh, and work with the skaters when they're practicing between the days between games or morning skates and things like that. So it's more just about having bodies to stop pucks or at least challenge some players uh, when they're doing their drills. So, um, and I think unlimited kind of, you know, nobody's bringing in nine or 10. I think four seems to be the, the optimal number. Um, John uh, at Enrico Palazzo, which is a, a great Twitter handle, asked, uh, has it been decided where the training camps will be taking place? Um, I think those are going to be in the team's home practice ranks. So the, every indication I get is that this phase two that's supposedly going to begin um, in a week or so, uh, where small groups of players can return to the ice um, without coaches on the ice with them maybe one medical trainer and one equipment person around like the smallest groups of ga- smallest gatherings that we can get. Um, since those are supposedly going to take place at, uh, at team sites that, uh, that will allow a lot of players to ease in back to their, their areas where they live during the season. Uh, and then the three week training camp that's going to begin in July would be for the Islanders at Northwell health, um, no access for anybody else, but uh, but that would allow them to all be together, to practice together on a familiar rink, have lots of ice time, lots of time to be together, um, 
and then I think they'd travel off to one of the two hub cities after that. Um, how that works with quarantine, if there are, if there are requirements for that, my sense is that uh, wherever the hub cities are, there won't be a need to have a 14-day quarantine before they can do any activities. Um, so I guess that uh, that sort of angles where they, where they can go or limits where they can go. Um, Colton Hunter, and this is a question I get from time to time about uh, scouting, developing. There seems to be a major flaw in either the scouting, developing, or both when it comes to the Islanders' forward prospects. Bridgeport specifically has been really bad. Two guys who panned out recently, Matthew Barzell, Anthony Beauvillier, went straight to the NHL. Is this a thing the team realizes? Um, yes, I get a lot of calls on Twitter for and in the comments of my stories about Brent Thompson and his coaching staff in Bridgeport. Um, you know, I think fans tend to forget that development is the most important part of any minor league or uh, operation. Bridgeport hasn't had much success the last few years. They haven't had a very good team, you know, a good team by AHL standards doesn't necessarily mean a good team full of young prospects that are, that you're trying to develop. It's more about having veterans that you're willing to pay. And the Islanders did that last season. And that was the first time they made the AHL playoffs in a little while. And this season they were a mess. They let a lot of those higher paid, uh, you know, sort of career AHLers go to make room for some very young guys. Uh, you know, they had Simon Holmstrom, who had been picked in June, the youngest player, pro player in North America, which just barely 18. They had Oliver Wallstrom. Um, they had Kiefer Bellows, who took a pretty big step forward this year. I think it's, uh, you know, it, there's a patience at the top of the organization uh, that Lou Lamarillo wants to have and that he's always tried to maintain wherever he's been. Um, that doesn't always jibe with uh, today's NHL, where you need some young guys, especially ones that are picked high to to flash quickly and produce quickly because not just for um, the immediate gratification of, of fans and and players themselves, but uh, but from a salary cap standpoint that you need some lower paid up and coming young players to, to fill some key roster spots. And I think that's probably going to be the case next season. Um, so, you know, I think it's still... It's still the goal of guys like Lou Lamarillo and Chris Lamarillo, his son, who runs the AHL team, to to see development as opposed to seeing results at the AHL level, um, and especially in a season like this past season when they were either very old or very young in certain spots. They were really banged up, much like the Islanders were in some spots. So, um, And I think if you look at the number of high-quality forwards that have come through the organization in the last, say, seven or eight years – uh, it's hard to see where guys busted out at the AHL level. Um, you know, Michael Dalcall came in and, and did, after a couple of eh, years, did shine through last season at the AHL level. He was a point-of-game player before he got called up, and he seems to be a regular NHLer now. Josh Hosang uh, did not. Uh, he's always been a productive player at the AHL level, but uh, but I don't think his skill is, is what's held him back in the Islanders organization, and whether that he even continues on in the Islanders organization it remains to be seen. Um, and it's hard to really come up with anybody else. You know, I think Wallstrom and, and Holmstrom and Bellows are really the three kind of bigger, biggest, and, and I think you can throw Otto Koivula into that mix, and I don't think he's been held back at all. And in fact, you know, I think when he came over from Finland, he was regarded as a 
longer term project and suddenly turned into a, a 25 goal scorer as a as a rookie pro in North America last season and and flashed onto the radar. So um and that was changing positions from wing to center. Uh so I think there's been enough success uh of certain of their young guys to keep Brent Thompson and his staff on board. Um if there's a lot of guys that I'm passing over that I haven't thought of in my last 10 years of covering this team that have been really good forward prospects who just completely flamed out at the AHL level, I'm, I must just be forgetting them. But uh, my general impression is they've had more defensemen uh, who they've wanted to develop uh, at the AHL level, and that's actually been pretty successful. I think you look at, uh, frankly, their top four guys in the in the NHL right now are all guys who spent significant time in the AHL, um, and it's clearly for their betterment because they're all pretty good NHL defensemen. I'm talking about Adam Pellick, Ryan Pollock, Devon Taves, and Scott Mayfield. So uh, I think Lou Lamarillo is generally pretty happy uh, with how Brent Thompson is operating. Um, Chris Lamarillo was the AHL GM for a couple of years before his dad came into the organization. So certainly he's got a strong impression of what those Bridgeport coaches can do. And, um, you know, I think there's a bit of a disconnect with some fans mostly based on the poor record of the Bridgeport teams over the last five or six years. But, uh, but I, you know, that stuff is fairly irrelevant, I think, as far as a guy like Lamarillo is concerned. Last question for today's show comes from Sab, uh, who asks, how do you envision your coverage and access will change or progress from phase two to the final rounds of the playoffs? Do you think you'll be forced to do everything remotely via conference or Zoom calls? Uh, it's a good question. I don't know how relevant it is for everybody out there. It's certainly something that me and my colleagues, who uh, friends of mine who cover all different sports have talked about. Um, our coverage and access is going to change drastically. Uh, you know, Coverage, I hope, will not. I hope that we'll still have access to players, but it is going to be remotely, I would imagine, through phase two through phase three, which is training camp and probably through the hub cities. I don't think either of the hub cities is going to be anywhere near Long Island. So, um, you know, the athletic is a continent uh, spanning operation. Uh, and if they're going to let reporters in, which I think is an incredibly remote possibility, um, just to hear some of the, you know, the, the ideas that the NHL have had daily testing of players and staff uh, they're not setting aside those very expensive tests for media people that might be coming in and out of those buildings. So um, I don't think that the plan is to include media on site. Um, and then going forward after that, I don't think uh, me or my brethren are going to see the inside of a locker room for a long, long time. You know, the the days of, of lounging in the, in the practice locker room, uh, you know, trying to dig up tidbits of information or just, uh, you know, uh, shoot the stuff with uh, with various players, um, that's going to change. You know, it's going to be mixed zones, kind of like it is in the Olympics. They're going to bring guys out, smaller, the smallest groups possible. Um, and, uh, and that's going to force me and my colleagues and other reporters who cover teams to get more creative um, and do a little bit more background work behind, you know, when we're at home calling people, um, you're not going to just be able to kind of sit down for 10 or 15 minutes in a, in a crowded locker room with a player anymore. So yeah, it's uh, it's certainly something I've thought a lot about. It's kind of fallen a little bit by the wayside through the pandemic and through the unrest of the last few days. It feels very far away to think about uh, hockey returning, but uh, but when it does, uh, reporting on it will be will be very different and, a, and just a new different challenge. Hopefully we'll still be able to, 
to deliver all the, the good information and good stories that we've been able to do the last few years. So, that's all we got uh, for this week. Thank you for all the questions. And uh, next week we'll be back, beginning, get back to our weekly guests. Uh, we've got some good ones lined up for the next few weeks, so I hope you'll tune in. Thanks again, as always. We'll see you soon.